do the thing that you're going to do, but hopefully do it with a level of responsibility and care for future generations beyond. Make sure that you are serving not yourself, but serving something bigger and something far beyond your reaches of understanding that is not within the next five to 10 years, but hopefully 50 to 100 years. Welcome to Lead with We. I'm your host, Simon Mannering, the founder and CEO of We First. Lead with We is a podcast where we get top business leaders and founders to reveal how they built their companies to be high impact and high growth by putting We First. Lead with We is produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. Welcome to this week's episode of Lead with We, and I'm very excited about our guest, Christopher Gavigan. Now, Christopher and Jessica Alba, the actress, co-founded The Honest Company, one of the leading non-toxic, all-natural home care brands in the country. And he's since gone on to start a new endeavor in the hyper-competitive CBD category called Prima. So Christopher Gavigan, founder and CEO of Prima, welcome to Lead with We. Simon, it's a pleasure. I've known you for a while, and it's always great to see your face, even these, in these uh, chaotic and wild times. Uh, but it's always a pleasure seeing you and hanging with you. Well, thanks for, you know, spending some time with us. And, you know, I want to start at the beginning. Firstly, you're actually an environmental scientist by training. And before you became a CEO in the business world, you actually led a nonprofit called Healthy Child, Healthy World, which educates parents on how to reduce their children's exposure to toxic chemicals. And then you went on to write a book on that same title to sort of try and codify that contribution. So how did all of that lead you to form The Honest Company? You know, was there a light bulb moment where you suddenly said, wait a second, I've got to turn this into a business. I've got to start a company because that's a completely different direction. Look, the world of NGO, as you know quite well, is, is so equipped with data and information and, and ideals, but it's bridging the gap between ideals and ideas is always so hard to do. And the idea was, can I create a product? Can we create a master brand that was a place of an outsourced trust? So consumers can come in and really feel at home and at peace and, and have the peace of mind to shop and to um, navigate a marketplace that is riddled with really harmful carcinogens at the end of the day and, and a lot of these incumbents that we're dealing with um it, it was a it was a great it was a great run um in the early days because i felt i was like this purity pioneer and i'm gonna i'm gonna teach people about the medicine of the bringing medicine and research into the world of chemicals and and telling them what not to put on their bodies but then ultimately at the end of the day every person every mom who i was teaching to or talking to because I was I wrote a book called Healthy Child, Healthy World. It was specifically around parents and new babies, new homes. And uh, parents ask one thing, or they really request one thing. Tell me what to buy. And for me, a brand is very much a collection of values. And I love the idea of really building those purpose-driven values from the NGO space that, you know, I harvest, harvested that that, um, right. That, so that's what you took away the need for a brand because not everybody, some, most people want to get, get a product, an MVP out there, but you know, to, to base a company on a core proposition of honesty, was that again, naivete or was that a very conscious no, decision? No, that was very place? conscious to build in and, and surround the word honest by the company was incredibly conscious. You set a high bar for yourself. That's like a rod for your own back right there. A absolutely. Look, it was, it's, it's going to cut so hard both ways. 
I mean, that's just a field day for your competitive set to attack you. First they, you know, first they watch you and then they attack you and then they copy you, right? And so that paradigm shift and that marketplace shift, we, we saw it over the, certainly over the course of, of the last eight years to really entice and engage them to shift their practices around better, safer, more non-toxic ingredients in their products. And that's been, that's been the win. Yeah, I think the influence on the industry when someone has established and, and kind of proven out that higher bar is enormous. But at the outset, taking on these products, you were an innovation company. In truth, you weren't a beauty company. I mean, you had to retool all of these products. So, you know, we've got so many entrepreneurs listening to this who want to make a positive difference in the world. I mean, you literally said, what am I going to do? Build a lab and pull apart every product that's out there? Like, how does someone go from idea to execution? So Honest very much was, we are what we are not. And we are not choosing. Right, we what are, you exclude. Right, what right. are we keeping out? What are we formulating without? And I think that that was a big, a big, um, big part of the uh, endeavor there because it's, it's okay, um, R&D guy, you can't use these 2000 ingredients, even though you want to, and even though you've done it for the last 30 years, you can't use them. Now what? And so a lot of that was, can you get the aesthetics? Can you get the uh, aesthetics like foam the efficacy, and yeah. slip? And, and then can you get the consumer to like it and it smell comparable and, and do the, do its core job and function of cleansing and, and, and sanitization and all those things. So that was, that, those were hard days. And, and those were days where we were like, oh, we can't get that one done. So we're going to scrap that one. And we're just going to focus on this. And so, but that, or, or first launch of products was 17 products. So we were in the diaper category, we we're in the home category and when the personal care category. So how long did it take you to build a portfolio of 17 products? That's amazing. Two and a half years. Two and a half years. And you probably couldn't even find a supplier that would, they probably push back at you and go, that's not the way things are oh, done. Oh my right? gosh. The first days you should have seen these small vendors and co-manufacturers over with. It was truly kitchen chemistry um, in many respects, but then rolling into first year one, two, three, you, you needed to find people that could scale with you. And, and that, that shift and that movement from small time manufacturer to mid tier and uh, upper tier and, and best in class, those were hard days because it, it just taxes the team. It taxes the operational sophistication and, and efficiencies, but you eventually have to do it because the output of these small manufacturers just can't keep up. So you co-founded the Honest Company with actress Jessica Olber. And you two had a lot of success earlier on. There was a lot of growth. So what drove that success? Was it the PR through Jessica? Was there you know, a pent-up demand from mums? What drove that early success? There's certainly fear. Fear will drive change and fear, generational change. And the, and the fear was, oh my gosh, now I'm un, un, uncovering and discovering that certain toxicants can lead to harm or illness in my baby. Uh, no one wants a child with ADD or a behavioral disorders or childhood cancer. I mean, like the, the biggest, biggest fear. So if I could make a small change now to prevent, so this is, this is prevention and this is preventative care, people will invest in that. And so if you tell that story and again, not, not peddling fear, but certainly causing, causing enough of highlight to it to um, drive a shift. And yeah, I think education, that, that, awareness, you can't unsee that. Stuff. You can't unsee it. You can't unsee it. And, 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 and then you wrap it in with the right amount of compassion and emotion 
and certainly a, a co-founder like Jessica Alba who can bring the attention and, and carry a story um, that, that it was it was a beautiful, beautiful mix of many things that some were luck and some were very consciously decided upon. Um, but it was were a you and, were you and Jessica partners out of the gate or yes. was that something that emerged? Yes. Yeah. And I, and wasn't it the case that, you know, she had she was just like any other mom had the experience with her own child, had, had the experience where she had a horrible allergic reaction to a laundry detergent. And so she had just got my book. She actually came to my book launch party in 2008. So uh, it was a, uh, a really kismet and a great moment. And she was just like, I, we need to, I need to, so someone needs to. And we were like, let's, let's do this and let's work nights and weekends to design and decide and, and really decipher whether we were going to go for it or not. And uh, how long did that take? Like, you know, what did the team look like? You know, you're, you're, it's just an idea. It's yeah, just two no, people was, talking about it. it. It was, it was her and I, we had a, a couple consultants on the, um, on the sourcing side and on the more in the FPNA and, and, and brand building side. I mean, that, again, that is, that was not, I mean, it's certainly I've learned over the years, but that was not my core competency. And, and then eventually we a co-partnered with two other um, great entrepreneurs, Brian Lee and Sean Kane. Brian specifically had great and has tremendous acumen in all things subscription-based business. And so diapers plus subscription business plus e-commerce, it was a, and again, this is 2012, so this is early subscription days. So it was a really nice fit. Um, so this is this is important what you're mentioning because neither your background nor Jessica's was really from that world, business models and so on. So you know, there's a lot of great instinctive entrepreneurs out there that want to make a difference, but they may not have had an MBA. You know, they may not have gone to business school. So how do you solve for that? You know, do you just sort of you just find those partners out there? You just bring in the skills you need. Uh, look, I think it's. You've got to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. And for us, uh, th for me, I, 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 uh, my core is product, ingredients, the efficacy of these products. I, I mean, right. But for some of the larger operational and, and business stuff, you've got to outsource and you've got to find um, those key experts. So after moving on from Honest and then to Prima, you know, what was that next step? Did you just sit back and say, what am I going to do now? Or were you already thinking of the CBD category? Yeah, for me, it was, it was, it was understanding the vision of, of the, certainly the customer, but my responsibility to help architect a new story and a new paradigm on how we care for our bodies. Again, I love the, the beautiful, I, I believe that nature is intelligent and how to be choiceful and protective and reactive to, okay, there are certain threats and we're going to prevent those. We're going to keep those out. But then what is actually infusing and optimizing and causing us to heal and thrive from within? So not less bad, more good now. More good. And so what is, what, what is nature telling us? And what have we discovered in the last 25 years that nature is telling us specific to um, all things plant-based botanicals? And where's the innovation lie? And so I recalled early days in 2009. So I sit on the board of Mount Sinai and it, this is in 2009. So prior to Honest um, launching, I heard about cannabinoid science. I was like, Cannab okay. what, what are cannabinoids? What are these molecules, these phytonutrients and where are they coming from? They're coming from, from cannabis. And like, is this about high or healing? Where, where are we? Right. And so the world of, 
this newly discovered body system, this endocannabinoid system that we all have in our bodies, and how, yes, in high concentration, they're found in the cannabis plant, but we actually make these molecules. And right. these molecules are specifically function to bring the body back to balance, to reduce inflammation, to reduce pain. There are two ways to manage pain inside the body, opioid receptors and cannabinoid receptors. And so cannabinoid receptors, again, it's a young burgeoning science, but neurobiologists and, and, and neuroscience and, um, and the, the world of endocrine disrupt, dis, um, disruption and discovery, everyone is ex so excited about this new science. And so I went back to science fires me up. There's an industry that's now unfolding around cannabinoid research, and there are 120 cannabinoids. One's THC, that gets you high, and there are 120 others. What are, what are, some, what are some of the possibilities of, of these, these compounds? And again, you had C, big CPG discovering it, you have pharma looking at it, you've got the world of, of, of medicine and, and academics and research looking at it. And there wasn't one brand, one coalesced place of, of trust that I was excited about or a place that I could say on the consumer side, I understand you, I understand what you're doing, I know the sourcing, I, I could trust your accountability and transparency initiatives, I know that you're building something of high integrity. I mean, the world of cannabis, as we know, has some shadow economy folks over the over the years. It does. And, you know, but you're looking at it through a very unique lens. You're looking at it through the eyes of an environmental scientist who has a passion for science and, and the energy to understand it. You know, when you launched Honest Company, you had to educate people as to the harm that's being done that they were unaware of. Here you've got a different challenge. You had to educate people that this wasn't some weird voodoo sort of, you know, getting high sort of um, alternative. And at the same time, you did have those who were stepping into the cannabis industry, which was just a, a gold rush at the same time. So you, you had to educate people, but you're fighting on two different fronts. How did you how did you navigate that? You know, it's it's for me, it's a, this understanding of bridging the gap between um, healthcare and wellness and understanding that wellness need wellness for me has hit this this limiting factor and, and place. Right. What does wellness mean? It's 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 this bastard bastardized word right now. It doesn't. It, it's been watered down, and for me, it's about this frontier of well-being. And well-being is the physical, the mental, and the social. So this paradigm of of these three these three ideals of of an optimized state of health. And unless we are yes, we can live the cleanest, purest life. But if we have no social relationships and are thoughts and mindset are completely out of whack. And if you're allowing stress to, t which is the epidemic of today, if we're allowing stress to impact our bodies, like I, I don't, I, I don't care how many kale salads and organic um, juices you drink, you're going to be, you're going to be ill and sick and out of balance. Absolutely. I'm, you know, I think we're all, especially during COVID working so hard to manage our mental health, our physical well-being. But what did, what did you do differently when you were starting from scratch again, this company versus Honest? Again, back to a small team, again, back to a standing start in a, in a very competitive industry. What looked different the second time you did it? For me, it was, it was leaning more heavily in the science because they're, they're in this, again, in this space, in this young space um, or evolving nascent space around um, cannabinoid research and health, no one's defining the standards around purity, 
and accountability to the sourcing side. No one's really def has defined a, a level of commitment around potency and really label claims and, and certifications. And so what we've decided to do is really like either partner with third party um, credible uh, uh, outside experts like Environmental Working Group and B Corp and Made Safe and um, the Glyphosate Project, Detox Project to, to drive the halo of trust around the brand. And then wow. also just to really just everything you wanna know about the brand, we'll, we'll tell it for you. If you want to double, triple, quadruple click in, it's there for your for your um, discovery. So, your when you look at Prima and the way it shows up on your website and, and marketing materials and so on, it's quite an elevated brand. You know, it's clearly upscale. It's clearly targeting, um, you know, uh, a youth demographic and a well-informed dem demographic. How do you work out when you're starting a company where you're going to pitch yourself? You know, in terms of, of your brand and by extension your products. The, the way we've positioned the brand has been, yes, we're, we're cannabinoid science and research for the whole you. We want this collective well-being mindset. Um, and, but I what we're learning is, is and, and what we intuitively know, but we've, we've got to just continually be grounded. You know this very well. Simple, direct, easy, and somewhat irreverent sometimes, but you we, we need to boil down the science even more. I mean, sometimes I get too excited and too seduced by the science and someone needs to be like, yo, I don't understand what you're saying. Right, right, and, right. And, and so I, I, I think what, what we're trying to do right now is understand, okay, we've built some phenomenal products that people love. We've built a, a, the halo of responsibility and accountability and the higher standard in this category. So we're, we know where we're going. And now it's to build that, that relationship with that consumer that makes them feel like, okay, Again, I outsource my trust to you, but and and you've got you've got the baton and you're leading, but at least I, I I'm familiar with you. It's that accessibility conversation. Right. What are you doing differently in terms of growing a purposeful business like this to what you did before with Honest? Are you still throttling in the same way between building the brand and focusing on product efficacy? Are you doing something different in terms of how you're building the team? Are you taking it more slowly, having learned the lesson that you did with Honest Company? What, what, what's different now? What we've seen is if we are going to be, if we're going to be um, these pioneers around trust and, and, and relationship, but also standards and, and a building a world-class brand, that you need some anchor partners. Like you just can't have a beautiful website and just be fulfilling direct. You need some anchor relationships on the distribution side. So we work with Sephora. And underneath their Clean It Sephora um, banner, we've created these CBD standards. And to get a global retailer to step towards create, like again, Sephora, LVMA, LVMNH, to get them to say, yes, we are going to help define some consistency around the product and around sourcing and around how we test and around what's inside and what's not. So that has shifted now because the retailers are regulators because the regulators in DC aren't doing the work. So brands and now retailers have a responsibility. They have there. to protect themselves. They and, have to. How did you broker that? Because, you know, the partnership with Sephora is a big deal for any young company. And yes, you had the credibility of the honest company behind you, which obviously helps. 
But how did you go to the, you know, David and Goliath? You were, you're nobody in their world, in a sense. I, I, again, it all comes back to this book, 2008, Healthy Child, Healthy World. Write a book, throw a party. Write a book and throw a party. <laughs> The rest takes care of itself. <laughs> Cindy Daly, um, excuse me, Daly, who who worked at Sephora at the time, she read my book. She just had a baby, and Cindy was re remarkably an inter internal champion for the standards around clean at Sephora. She saw the natural botanical plant-based trend. She saw the reason to start getting some of these bad actors ingredients out of the cosmetics industry, and so she's had she had a vision. And so when we launched Prima in the fall of, excuse me, in the um, spring of 2019 as a educational platform, because we launched with a hundred pieces of original content, adding context, demystifying, what is CBD? How do you use it? What to look for? We didn't have product at the time. She saw us and she said, oh my God, like you're back at the education and awareness game. Like I want to partner with you. I've, I've got this category of CBD. I have nothing uh, I have no idea what to do with it, and it's, it's growing tremendously, but I don't know who to trust and all these people. And This is so interesting. I mean, you know, people feel like that they're at a disadvantage if they're starting a new company and they don't have a product, but you turn that around and built education that was necessary to kind of demystify the area, and then that unlocked a relationship that otherwise wouldn't have happened. I mean, never, it would have never happened. Like if I had to like knock on the door of Sephora and said, I've got some products, that would have never happened. As you look forward now, what what do you look like in three years' time? What does the, to your point about you know a brand being bigger than one product alone? What does that portfolio look like? Because you're in the well-being business. Yeah, I I, I truly believe that there are outside of hemp and cannabinoids, there are many other functional and innovative therapeutics in the botanical space that need to be driven driven into the forefront. I believe that we're going to continually iterate and, and be, we're going to push the science on how to, how, again, how do we bring the world of botanical uh, therapeutics in the forefront? And how do we get away from the the petrochemicals and industrial solvents and industrial um, chemicals of, of yesteryear and, and push conscious innovation in the world of, of plant-based. The hundreds of thousands of years of ancient traditions have leveraged some of these, these technologies and that we've just forgotten about them. You're such a powerful study in somebody who's just pursued their passion, a pretty geeky passion, which is a love of science, environmental scientist by training. And then, you know, you've really explored doing less bad and adding more good in the beauty category. And now you're doing it in the, in the, in the CBD category. Tell me, you know, your advice to young or sort of mid-career entrepreneurs out there on the strength of all that you've experienced, a few pointers as to how they navigate, you know, um, capturing the opportunity that's out there in the marketplace right in front of them, but also um, playing for the long, long game and making sure that they get the success that they want and also enjoy it on the way. Anything you'd share? I think we're in a, in a, in a, time where we it's it's forcing us to slow down and hopefully the slowdown is not to hurry up again but to slow down and recalibrate our priorities and our and our really the impact of what we're doing to the globe and the planet and to each other and uh and I, my my advice would really be do the thing that you're gonna do 
but hopefully do it with a level of responsibility and care for future generations beyond wow. and make sure that you are serving not yourself, but serving something bigger and something far beyond your reaches of understanding that is not within the la next five to 10 years, but hopefully 50 to 100 years. It's such a powerful thing that you just shared because I think we all think of pace as a noun. You know, the pace at which you live is predetermined by external forces and you've got to deal with the pace of life. But what you're saying is it's a verb. You can actually choose to pace your life consciously, intentionally. And if you do that, you can be much more considered in the choices you make. You can enjoy it more on the way and you can make sure you keep your eye on the right prize, which is, you know, as you say, success in this lifetime, but you know, living a legacy in some way that's going to have a positive impact. My, my last question would be, after all of these miles that you've run and the companies that you've built, you know, what, is, what does success mean to you? How do you define or understand success privately, professionally? Yeah, it, it, it does go back to legacy for me. Um, and success for me, you know, I, I had a, a moment of, of, of true perspective when my son, who's now 13, um, he was in his kindergarten class and he was telling his friends what his dad did. And, and the teacher said, what does your dad do? And he said, he makes trusted products for a healthier world. And I felt like, oh my God, like if, if he can able to articulate that as a six-year-old, then I'm, I, I'm like, I'm so living my truth. And for me, success is about living your truth. Like, again, what to, in your heart of hearts and your, in your deepest core, what, what, what is your truth? What do you want to live? And how does that express itself? And mine is it, my truth is to be in, in service of others. It is to really help others. And it, yes, it is through science and yes, it is through um, the world of nature, but it really, I mean, my father sometimes beat it into me, not literally, but like <laughs> he was like, help others, serve others, do something for someone else, do something, but it has to be for someone else. Because I think ultimately, I, I believe that we all have that service orientation inside of us. It just needs to be unlocked or, or shifted because when you when you serve others, you're really going to serve yourself at the end of the day. So true. Christopher, thank you for sharing the insights and the journey that you've been on. And, you know, nothing but best wishes for the for the success of the next expression of Christopher Gavigan, which is, you know, prima and, and congrats to the whole team on the success so far. Thank you so much, Simon. It's always a pleasure to see you and hear you and your greatest capability of, of listening and then rearticulating. I've, I, I've been in, involved in some of your sessions and I've I mean, I, I've seen magic happen a few times, but in one particular session, I saw magic unfold right before my eyes, and it, it was because of you. Thanks for the kind words. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Lead with We, where I spoke with Christopher Gavigan, the co-founder of The Honest Company and now founder and CEO of Prima, who shared with us how to start a purposeful business from scratch and take it to scale and how to capture that marketplace opportunity by building trust around your entire category. If you'd like to subscribe to Lead With We, you can find us on Apple, Google, or Spotify, and please do recommend it to your friends so they too can learn how to build a purposeful and profitable business. If you'd like to learn more about how you can build a purposeful brand, check out wefirstbranding.com, 
where we have lots of free resources and case studies. See you on the next episode of Lead with We.